You know, if, if we're going to scream it from the mountains that he is God, one of the things we've been learning from 1 Corinthians is that if we just scream it from the mountains that he is God, but we don't do it with love, we're just screaming. That if we are having lunch together in after church and having fellowship time together, but we don't do it with love, we're just eating lunch. Uh, that if uh, we're coming to church, but we're not doing it with love, we're just coming to church. We're not being the church. Because you can't do any of those things without love. And that's what we've been talking about. Uh, and this is the last in a, on, a, on a short series on, on love that's laid out pretty well for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's what we've been studying. Uh, and I'm going to read that to you. And uh, in verse 4 through 7, like we've been doing, I'm going to have us all read that together. Hopefully you've been over this last month maybe uh, memorizing it, getting it in your head. But this is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So read with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And he goes on in verse 8 and says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we talked about that whatever we do, whatever we do as spouses, whatever we do as parents, grandparents, co-workers, whatever we do to reach out to our community, our region, our world, certainly what we want to do with fellowship, if we don't love one another, it means nothing. Whatever we do as a church, whatever we do as Christians. Paul says you can speak in every language, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, you can have all the knowledge of the world, be the smartest kid in your class, you can have more faith than 
anyone and everyone. You can be the most generous. You can be persecuted for the sake of Christ. But if you don't do it in love, if you don't do it in a loving way, if, if you don't love others, it means nothing. It's a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. We said that love is patient. It sticks with people even when they're bothering us and that we're kind to them even while we're enduring them and, and all their stuff. That love is not about you, that love is about them. That love does not keep a record of wrongs because love doesn't make the focus on people's shortcomings. It focuses on the best in them. That's why it bears with them. That's why it trusts them and believes them. It, so it's hoping for the best in them, and it endures. It sticks with that person no matter what. That's what love does, because love never fails. Love never ends. And so that's where we're picking up today in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. And it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even, I have, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. He basically says almost everything ends. He says prophecies, they'll end. Tongues, they'll end. Knowledge, it'll end or you will end. But in this life, even the best of it, even the best of tongues and prophecy and knowledge, even the best of it is incomplete. Although when it comes to prophecies, when it comes to to tongues, when it comes to knowledge. And we read that there at the end of the chapter, it sounds familiar. Why? why, why where, do, where else did we hear about those things? It brings us right, right back around to the beginning, to the beginning of chapter 1, or back, beginning of chapter 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and he goes on and he says, but, I, but I, do I have not love? I'm nothing. I can do all of these things. He says, I can do all of these things, all of these religious things, have all of these good things. But if I don't have love, they mean nothing. And why is that? Because everything else, he says, is going to end. Those things, if I don't have love in my prophecy or my tongues or my knowledge or whatever, if I don't have love in it, it means nothing because those things are going to go away. Those things are going to pass away. Love is what matters because love remains. Love stays. Love doesn't fly away. Love doesn't end. All of those other things, all of those religious things that you do, that I do, 
in, in the grand scheme of things, aren't going to matter all that much. If you can speak in the tongue of men and, you know, speak to every language in, in the world, if you can speak in tongues of men and of angels and you can speak in tongues in a hundred years, nobody's going to care. Your, your great-great-grandkids, it's not going to affect them. In fact, your great-great-grandkids might know your name. By the time you get to your great-great-great-grandkids, they're probably not going to know your name. So if you're speaking in tongues, uh, if you can speak to somebody in five different languages, it's going to go away. If you prophesy, if you get a revelation from God about what's going to happen in the future, and you can prophesy to somebody and, and give them a, a piece of knowledge, that's really cool, that's, and that's a God thing, a spirit thing, but someday that thing's going to happen, and then 100 years after that, it's not going to matter much. If you're super smart, if you're the smartest person in this room, that's great. Until somebody smarter comes along. And again, we're, we're studying the Bible. He's writing this to people who were living in Corinth 2,000 years ago. In some ways, we all know more than they do. I mean, their knowledge of the world was relegated to a pretty small piece of the world on the other side of it from, from where we are. I mean, you know, if those Corinthian people spoke in tongues 2,000 years ago, does it matter now to us? Nope. If they prophesied back then, does it matter now to us? I, I don't know any Corinthian prophecies. I don't know, maybe you do because you're the smartest person in the room, but I don't. I don't know any Corinthian prophecies. The, the only prophecy that I know that's 2,000 years old is the book of Revelation. I mean, think about their scholars then, the smartest of their smart people. Think about how much of their knowledge back then is obsolete now. You know, the world was flat. The... You know, they, they had just figured out roads for Rome. Think, I mean, think about what they understood about the universe and the sun. And the, I mean, my fourth grade son, Micah, knows more about the universe and, and the world as a whole than they did. He's saying... All of this stuff that you, you know, you think you know, you, you're, you're doing, you can be this great person. You can be a very good religious person, a great zealous person, a, a very intelligent person, the best at what you do, the top of your game person. But lot, not a whole lot longer from now, you're going to be gone. You're going to be dead. And eventually it won't matter much. And all of those proud achievements that you have, all of those things that you're doing that you think just matter so much, 
no end. All the things that I'm doing as a pastor, my sermons, my meetings that I go to, all the programs that we do or don't do, it'll all end in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we hope it matters a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, in the history of the world, it probably won't matter much. It'll end. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to keep preaching 1 Corinthians 13 forever. We're not going to sing these songs forever. But love will remain. Everything else ends. Everything else fails. Everything else flies away. But love doesn't. Love never ends. Love never fails. In verse 9, he says, We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. That as long as we're living in this world that's broken, as long as we're living in this world that's sinful, we're only going to get a little bit of knowledge. Everything we do, it's going to be incomplete because we live in a broken, incomplete world. But when Jesus comes, he says, when the perfect comes, or when we get to heaven, incomplete will become complete. And all that stuff that we've spent so much time thinking about that is incomplete and not worth much, it, it'll, be, it'll go, but love, he says, love will keep going. Love will be in heaven with us. Faith, hope, and love. He says, when the perfect comes, the, the partial will pass away. And he goes on and says, look, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, gave up childish ways. And it's funny. We, we take this verse as Christians. We take it out of its context all the time. It's not necessarily wrong. It's still true, but we take it out of the context of 1 Corinthians 13 all the time. You ask somebody, you know, what's in 1 Corinthians 13? They'll say, love is patient, love is kind, love, you know. But if you ask most Christians, hey, where is this when I was a child? I thought like a child. I talked like a child. You know, I reasoned like a child. You know, if you say, how many of you heard that verse? I think most Christians would say, oh, yeah, I know that verse. But when you say was it in 1 Corinthians 13? Probably not, because they equate that with love. We, we take that verse out of context. And I, I mean, it, it's still all true. We all have to give up our childish ways, our old ways, and become more mature Christians. Keep growing in maturity, keep growing in wisdom. There's all good things, all good uh, verse to... You know, it's still a good verse. But, but that's not what Paul is talking about in this verse. He's not talking about growing up and becoming a more mature Christian and putting away immature ways of, of being a, a person or a Christian and becoming a more mature Christian. He, he, that's not what he's talking about. 
he's talking about love never ends. Love never gives out. Love never fails. That, that things are, that are, are, are partial are going to give way into what is full and what is whole. And so he gives an example of that with probably the most fleeting thing there is, and that is youth. Ah, youth. I'm quickly losing my, my youth. If there's anything that ends, anything that flies away, anything that ever gives out, it's youth. Knees give out, backs give out. Why you went into the kitchen for something gives out. Youth is fleeting. But there's also a part of me that's okay with not being a kid anymore. For as much as my knees hurt and my hips hurt and my back hurts, there's a part of me that's okay with not being a kid. Because when I was a kid, I talked like a kid and I acted like a kid. I mean, have you ever heard a teenager talk? I've got two teenagers. I remember things I used to think and say when I was a teenager. You know, you hear teenagers talk and you just kind of laugh because they have no idea how the world works. They, have, they, they think they've got it all figured out and then they say something and you're like, you've never really lived, have you? He, he, we talk like a child. And now that we're grown up, now that I'm almost 40 rather than almost 14, I have a little bit different perspective than my son who is 14. And so as, as we grow up, we talk differently because we see things differently. And so he's saying, again, so much of this stuff is partial. It's incomplete. It's not fully grown. It's like looking at life through the eyes of a teenager. You're not fully understanding it. All of this stuff, it's not fully there. The only thing that, that you can hold on to is faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. He says in verse 12, For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He says, he says, all this understanding, all this, these things that we look at and we, they just seem so clear to us right now, even as adults. He says, one day on this other side of life, when we enter into eternity, it'll be like looking back like we looked back on our teenage years now and go, oh, I, I understand it so much better now. It makes more, so much more sense now. Paul says, it's like a mirror. Now, mirrors in their day were not as good as, mirror, as mirrors we have today. Mirrors today, you can pretty much see things clearly for what they are. Mirrors in their day was usually just a, a really polished piece of metal. So, I mean, we've all looked and seen a pretty, you know, polished piece of metal. It does usually a fairly decent job of giving our reflection, but it's not like a mirror. 
It's not like a mirror, a glass mirror that we have. That's what they had was a shiny metal. And so he says, we see in a mirror dimly. And the word dimly there, the translation from it, is, is almost like we see in the mirror like a riddle. Like we see it in the mirror and we kind of make it out, but it's not really the full truth. He said, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully as I'm fully known. And, and Paul, a, a writer in the New Testament, the writer of most of the New Testament, even he says, look, I know in part. So for each one of us, no matter how much we know or, or at least how much we think we know, it, it's a dimly lit mirror. It, it's, a, it's a child's eyes. It's in part. So if everything that we know is so inferior, if everything we do is at best partial, the question is, why do we hold on to those things so tightly? Why do we work so hard for the things that we work for? Why do we care so much about all of these things in our life that are all gonna pass away, that are, are gonna be things that we look back on someday and go, why did we care? That when we get to heaven and we look back, we're gonna be like, why did I waste so much time with these things? We're, we're gonna look back at our lives and look through the, the eyes of perfection and, and, and the eyes of being made whole and look at how we loved and say, why did I spend so much time being impatient with that person that I loved? Why, why did I spend so much time going over the records of wrongs that these people did to me over and over and over again? Why, why did I spend so much time thinking about the worst in people instead of thinking about the Jesus in people. So what do we hold on to? What do we hold on to? What, what are the things that, that we focus on? In verse 13, he says, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That when all those other things pass away, when we pass away, faith, hope, and love will remain. What if instead of holding on to how much we think we know and our religious works that we're so proud of, what if, what if we really pursued faith, hope, and love? Those eternal things. But because the greatest is love, what if our top priority for how we lived our Christian life in front of others, what if because love was, was, 
the highest. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our highest goal is love because faith, hope, and love are about the only things that remain, but love is the greatest. What if the top priority for how we lived out our Christian life in front of other people looked like love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What if that was the thing that we strove for above so many of the other side things that we strive for in our Christianity? They're all good things, but, but so often we get, we get distracted by so many side little issues. What if, we, what if our biggest focus was just to love like Jesus? If anything, this shows us that we don't know much, but we know who our faith is in. We don't hope in ourselves, but we hope in him. And we love because he is love. When everything else fails, love doesn't. Because Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't love us partially or incompletely. He loves us fully because he is love. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that my God is love and that he loves me and that he loves you and that his love never fails. Let's pray.